Greetings, and welcome to Bird on a Wire, a podcast series presented by the Recombobulation Area and hosted by Lou Ann Bird, featuring conversations on hope, civility, and action. Thank you for joining us. My name is Dan Schaefer, and I'm the founder of the Recombobulation Area and the producer of this podcast series. For Episode 5 of the Bird on a Wire podcast series, Luann is joined by Dr. Katherine Wilkinson. Dr. Wilkinson is a resident of the district where Luann ran for assembly, and they met while Luann was campaigning and knocking on doors. Wilkinson is a doctor and a surgeon who has treated victims of gun violence, and that has inspired her to get involved in efforts to pass gun safety legislation. In this podcast, they talk about the work they are continuing to do not only to advance gun violence prevention bills, but combat the fatalistic attitudes on gun reform. It's an important conversation. The lead sponsor for the Bird on a Wire podcast series is Civic Media, the fastest growing hometown radio network in Wisconsin, broadcasting local news, talk, sports, music, and sensible commentary throughout the state. Visit civicmedia.us to find your local station and tune in to your community. Civic Media. Hometown Radio Refreshed. Supporting sponsors for this series include Marianne Lubar and Marlene Ott. So without further ado, here's Lou Anford. Welcome to Bird on a Wire, episode number five. I'm Lou Ann Bird, uh, your host for this podcast series. And I'm here today with a very special friend uh, that I met when I was knocking on doors. Uh, Dr. Katherine Wilkinson. Um, just to back up a little bit, uh, we are doing this podcast series as a way of continuing the conversations we had when I ran for public office. We, we, you know, conversations about hope, civility, and action, and what we all can do to change this broken political system and get things done that matter. So, with that little background, uh, I want to talk with Katherine about some things. Um, I had knocked on her door, right? And you were not home, but I talked to your husband. Correct, yep. And met your daughter. Yep. And uh, did my little spiel about running, and uh, I'll let you take it from there. The next thing you know, I'm getting a donation from her, and uh, then uh, a little while later, I got contacted by Catherine. She wanted to come out and do doors with me, so I'll tell you more about that. But what what was the message that you heard about me? Well... I had been wanting to find a way to do something about gun violence in Wisconsin. And I was talking to my friend Sophie, and she said, well, really the answer is to work on your local elections. Because if we can flip some seats, (laughs) including where you are, then maybe we can get some bills through our local Senate. And I was like, oh, local elections, those are important. And it was literally the next day that you came to my house (laughs) and I came home and Joe had said, oh, this lady was at our door. She's running for some election. And I I looked you up and I kind of got a little bit of background and understanding because we had just moved in May to our new house in Greenfield. And I thought, oh, this this lady has a shot. And I think that, that she would support common sense gun legislation. And so I did the easiest thing at the time, which was make a donation, <laughs> um, because I really wanted to support your campaign and, and, and give you a shot. And then my friend Sophie was like, 
you know, you really can do more than that. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. I got to meet her sometime. And so, <laughs> and so I... Yeah, thank her sometime, yeah. I, after I'd made the donation, you'd reached out and called me and asked me what was important. And I just thought that was just the coolest thing ever. Um, I told all my friends that, that you'd, you'd called me to talk about what was important to me because that was really my first um, interaction mm-hmm. with our government or politics in my life, you know. Wow. That's I, powerful. I, you know, I, know I, I went to see Obama talk when he ran for president. <laughs> and that was, besides meeting you, that was the closest I'd probably ever been to a, a political figure. And so that when you called to ask me what was important, I was just really astounded. And I thought, wow, local elections really do matter. And I didn't really understand that before. And especially when I said, you know, I'm interested in universal background checks and safe gun storage around minors. And you said, those things sound great. I, I would be happy to work on those things if, if I was elected. I said, well, we got to get you elected. <laughs> so then you you contact me about knocking on doors. And I'm like, sure, come on out with me. I really yeah. didn't know much about your background or what you did. Do you want to tell us that? And then when she starts talking to this voter at the door, that first one, I was like, wow, she knows her stuff. So you you tell me tell the listeners what you do, and um, yeah, tell us what you do. So I'm a general surgeon in Milwaukee, and what that means is that I take care of patients that have acute injuries. In Milwaukee, most victims of gunshots or firearm violence go to Freighter, which is the level one um, trauma center in town. And that's kind of a way that they group care so that they just have the resources available for those patients at one time. Um, and that's where I did my training. So I took care of a lot of, a lot of victims of gun violence during my training at Freighter Hospital. And I still see some of those patients at the hospital I work at now in Milwaukee because they continue to have complications of those things that we then take care of at our hospital. Or sometimes they show up at our door and then they need to be transferred to, to Freighter for further care. And I have continually thought ever since I started taking care of victims of gun violence that so much of what has happened to them has been out of their control and that we as a society have have failed these 18-year-old boys that are getting shot on the streets and that that we need to be doing more as a community to protect our youth and to be addressing this kind of epidemic. And... Most of these kids never make the news. So tell me, how is it out of their control? Because a lot of people think, just lock them up. But what are, what are you seeing with these kids? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're 18 and you get shot, there's been a lot of life circumstances and life decisions that have gotten mm-hmm. you to that point. You know, maybe you don't have a safe place at home. Maybe... You, you don't have enough to eat and you're getting involved in crime in order to, to fill your, your stomach. You know, maybe you're at a school that doesn't have enough time and attention to address your behavioral needs because you haven't been raised in a secure environment. And I think that especially, you know, through late, <laughs> late teenage years, you know, even probably to 2022, you know, everyone says that your brain is not fully mature till you're 26. And there are these 18, 19, 20-year-old kids getting sucked up into gun violence and, and dying or getting shot multiple times by the time they're 20, 21. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a, a failing of our society to 
give them the resources to to grow up in a way that helps them avoid that. So what did you uh, have in mind in terms of solutions that you saw and uh, what's happening on those? Yeah, so it's a it's a really big problem that people think and feel is insurmountable or that we can't do anything about it. People have been trying to pass common sense gun legislation for for decades at both the federal and the state level, and if it was easy, it would already have happened. But I also think that that kind of fatalistic attitude has, has made it feel even more impossible. And sadly, with each mass shooting, I mean, Uvalde was kind of just this past mm-hmm. spring, um, there, there gains more and more momentum. Um, I asked a bunch of the most conservative people I could find um, what kinds of common sense gun legislation they would support, and all of them supported universal background checks. And so I thought that would be a place to start. And even here in Milwaukee, there was the Brookfield spa shooting a few years ago where a man had a restraining order against his wife, Mm -hmm. you know, had committed acts of violence against her and was able to buy a gun on the internet and then ultimately kill her where if that internet gun sale had required a background check she maybe wouldn't have died and so given that I found a lot of conservative people that really supported that one thing I thought well maybe that's what I will work on well and when I met you you had a list well there's three (laughs) bills but that didn't come out right away so we're standing at a door (laughs) <laughs> and and uh, this person happened to be conservative. That was the very first door we go to. And I don't know anything about Catherine. She knows nothing about me. And she was so able to right away start to talk about her experiences in the trauma area and as a surgeon and what she's seeing and what simple bills could be, you call them low-hanging fruit, things that will not take away guns, but things yeah. that you're seeing could make a difference in saving lives and this guy really responded to that well after he asked you how old you were (laughs) you run into some interesting things at the doors like he didn't believe her but anyway uh that's when i started learning the what is possible and what we could do too by listening to you talk about what you see so those low-hanging fruits really are simple like you said, universal background checks, that's not taking guns away. That's not taking guns away. The other two bills that all of the... Cons- so last year in the... I can't remember what the exact year of the last session of the assembly was. Democrats had introduced multiple gun bills that never made it out of committee. And so that was the list that I started with that I asked my conservative friends, like, would you be supportive of this one, this one? So there were three that all of them supported. And those were, that's my list of three bills. One you is three. universal background checks. One is that every time you buy a gun, it has to come with a gun lock, which, come on, capitalism. We should get some gun lock company to lobby for that bill. And the yeah. third is safe gun storage. And yes. all of these bills don't really cost the consumer any money. They don't take away any guns. They don't restrict any guns that people already own. Um, but they are there's data from different states that have passed these bills showing that it reduces gun deaths. So when did you start working on these bills? Before you met me or since you met me? What It's kind of been a timing? process. So last August, I 
um, just really felt like I had to do, I just felt the call to do something, but I didn't know what or how to do it. So I started talking to, you know, the Wisconsin Medical Society and my professional society as a physician and my friends that are trauma surgeons at Freighter and my friends that are other places and gun owners. And it was my friend Sophie who was like, well, this is, well, first you got to try to get people elected and then we have to try to lobby the people that do get elected. And so, I mean, I, I mean, you're the first politician I've ever gotten to know. <laughs> so... So I you really were working on these bills experience. last fall. Oh my gosh! I mean, I wasn't. I wouldn't say working. I would so, say I was starting to gather information and kind of figure out how in the world to accomplish anything in Wisconsin in twenty twenty three. So not everybody goes to the length you're going to. What is it that's driving you to do this? That's a great question. I guess I feel a responsibility as a physician who's taking care of so many victims of gun violence to do something more to prevent it. I mean, it's there's some story. Maybe you can edit this to make it more smoother about, you know, pulling people out of the river and you have to go up river and find out who's throwing the people in the in river. The river. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel it that way about gun violence in Wisconsin, especially when I was at Freighter. You know, so many of the trauma centers are just so busy pulling people out of the river that now that I don't work at a, a level one trauma center, I feel I've got a little bit more bandwidth to say, well, we need to stop throwing people into the river. And how can we stop that? And how can we stop Some that? Some common sense gun measures that you see could save lives and you were particularly interested in our youth right and these young kids that even though they're 18 and they look like grown-ups right really aren't yet yeah and you know we can get into the racism and how you know a lot of Mm -hmm. black and brown youth look and are mistaken Mm -hmm. to be a lot older than they are and Mm -hmm. i think that that contributes to how they're treated mm-hmm. and the kind of the violence that, that happens to them. Okay. Um, but even just in Milwaukee, there was a five-year-old boy that got access to a gun and and shot himself and died just two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, right. And someone was just asking me, you know, if there's a law that says that you have to store your gun safely, like, is that enforced? Does it cost money? Like, how does that actually reduce, reduce deaths? And I said, you know, that's a good question. I, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you that I have a friend who, when they had a baby, had a big fight with their in-laws and said, hey, we're not going to bring our baby over to your house unless you store your guns safely. Because they were a big hunting family, always had lots of guns. And they said, well, nothing ever happened with our guns when you were, when, you know, your spouse was a kid. Like, why do you think something would happen to your baby? And my friend was like, no, this is just non-negotiable. We're not bringing our baby to your house if you don't store your guns safely. You know, you can imagine all the the conflict and, and hard feelings that had. And I could just say that, you know, if we had a law in Wisconsin... Oh. that you had to store your guns safely if there were going to be minors in your home, then my friend wouldn't have had to have all that family drama. Mm-hmm. She could have just said, well, it's the it's the law now. You know, you store your guns safely, follow the law, and we will bring our kid over. It would have been so much smoother, I think, for, for that family navigating mm-hmm. that. And I mm-hmm. think that even though the other states that have these laws don't necessarily like send cops checking that you've stored your guns safely or anything like that, I do think it kind of sets a tone for what the expectation is and I think that slowly that makes a a change and I Mm -hmm. I think it is shown that as states pass laws requiring safe gun storage is less kids get access to firearms and that's not just accidental shootings like in Milwaukee two weeks ago it's also teenage suicides are significantly reduced Um, news this morning five shootings in Milwaukee last night again five shootings so um you mentioned the word fatalist attitude before. What's the fatalist attitude that we're all kind of stuck in? 
that we can't get it done, that it's too hard? What yeah. is the fatalist attitude? I think people don't think that anything can be done about gun safety in the United States. Why? Um, because people have tried and failed before. And I think that people consider the NRA too powerful to do anything about it. Okay. The other thing I think stops people is that they say, well, just because we pass a law in Wisconsin about XYZ, you know, people can go to Minnesota or Michigan, et cetera, and buy guns. You know, right now, Illinois actually has a lot tighter gun laws than Wisconsin, and so maybe people are coming to Wisconsin to buy guns. I don't, I don't really know any of the data about that. But I think people are hesitant to do anything on a state level because if your neighbors aren't doing it, it feels like it's not going to make a difference, and I don't think that's true at all. And that's not what the data shows. So I'm just going to tag on that for our listeners right away because examine your own thoughts and feelings about this. Are we... Are you thinking about it's hopeless, or do you see a glimmer of hope in making these kind of changes? I, I'm glad you said that fatalist attitude, because I think too many of us have that, and we sit back, and we don't take the actions we might need to take, although I think it's personal. I do think that in, in, in each of our worlds, we see things. We bring experiences. We bring passions. We bring caring and those are the things I think we all need to take action on. So so Catherine and I meet, and now we're out talking. And by the way, I just want to add that I knocked on 4,000 doors. And the um, issues I heard about, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, they all said the same thing when it came to guns. They all, you know, I'm a Second Amendment rights person because I do believe we have a right to bear arms. They all... We all agreed on that part, but then when it came to, but keeping guns out of the wrong hands, they said, I heard ban assault rifles so many times. Mm -hmm. We need to get mm -hmm. rid of those weapons of war that are out there. Mm -hmm. I heard background checks would be great and gun locks would be great. Those are, those are the things and storage, all of those things I heard about that anyone at the doors would support. I was really surprised at how universally supported those bills were. So we get through the election, and I, I lose by just 2%, but I got 49% of the vote. And I forget how our communication happened. I think you reached out to me, though, and said, can we still work on these bills? <laughs> one of us reached out to the other one, yeah. and I'm like, yes, we can, because I got 49% of the vote, and I know people now. So I feel like you wrote a very beautiful... Um email after you'd lost the election. And I think I replied and said, you know, so sad that, that you lost. Yeah. I'm planning on still working on this. If you if you want to join me, let me know. And then you said, let's do it. I've set up a meeting with Bob. So that's what we did. That's, that's what we did. We set up a meeting with Bob Donovan. Now, who, who does that? <laughs> right? But I think thinking that through, the election's over. And for me my work on civility, hope, and action wasn't just about an election, but it is about creating the change we need to do to make our society better, and particularly for victims of gun violence. I mean, I'm not up on that. I mean, I'm up on people with disabilities because I have a disabled husband. I'm up on education because I served on school boards for years. But this violence thing in Milwaukee is huge, and it's also good timing to talk about it with Bob Donovan caring about safety. So none of us knew how this was going to go, right? No. So I we set up I set up the meeting and you bring along a bunch of your surgeon friends. Yep. Yeah, it was it was really fun. Um it was also just interesting because, you know, we had just moved to Greenfield 
And we had just lived in Milwaukee when Bob had run for mayor. And so we'd watched all the debates. And I'd never heard of him before because we haven't lived in Milwaukee area for, for too long. And then we moved to Greenfield and he moves to Greenfield and he's running in another election in oh, our new yeah. district. Um, and so I had gotten a, an impression of him from from his mayoral debates. Sure. And And my impression was that he was very conservative, very old school, and that public safety and increasing police funding was a, was a big priority for him. And so I really didn't know what to expect when we were going to meet with him. But Me either. But we did. And I brought along um, one of my partners, who's another general surgeon at the hospital I work at, and then I brought along a trauma surgeon from, from Freydert, who's a, a veteran and just a really, a really wonderful guy. And then I brought all the, the data I could think of that could possibly convince somebody. So you're doing a lot of work behind the scenes, and I'm using my network of people that I know from the election to try to move this le- legislation forward. And I'll just tell you, it was, so here we are, we're sitting at Zeb's, right? <laughs> it's Bob's favorite restaurant, and we're all having this conversation about guns and you know, listening to his concerns about you know the policing side of it. And then mm-hmm. he listened... To your concerns in the trial, and he looked at the data, and he and, and and Catherine's got this list of bills. This is, and of all these things, these three are the easiest that we could maybe get through. Yeah. So, Bob leaves, and then he and then he and then these bills, by the way, had been introduced last session. Yeah. And Bob leaves the conversation. He's going to think about it or whatever, and and he comes back into the restaurant. And he said, could you find out why these bills never came to committee? Yeah. Which told us, it sent a message that he cares, that he wants to look into this. And we were all caught off guard, you know. Well, the very last question I'd asked him is I said, you know, I'd presented all this data, all these, all these things, all these things. And I'd said, you know, Representative Donovan, do you think you'd consider voting for any of these bills if they came up this session? And what I remember Representative Donovan saying was, you know what? I would consider sponsoring these bills. And that just totally floored me because I think the level of, you know, commitment you have to have something to sponsor something versus just all I was asking him was, you know, would you maybe vote yes? <laughs> and he was like, you know, maybe I would maybe I would even sponsor this uh, bill. See? There's hope. And then and then he left and then he came back with more questions and it then just really back. it was really cool. It was really cool. So since that time, uh, Bob uh, we have well, actually, it was after that conversation when the five-year-old mm-hmm. in Milwaukee shot himself. And we jumped on that right away and sent in. That was our first, I think, my first written communication with Bob about it. I said, Bob, here's uh, here's a little boy's life that could have been saved had we had this uh, gun safe, no, gun locks. Safe gun storage. Safe gun miners. storage yeah. bill in place. What does what does that require? The safe gun bills that just that how does that go? So again? it's two different bills. One bill requires with every sale of a firearm, you provide a gun lock or a safe gun storage, or you know, so you either have to sell the gun with the gun safe, or you have to sell the gun with a gun lock. And the other bill is that if there are minors in your home, that you right. store that gun either in a gun safe. Um, or with a gun lock or other form of safe gun And storage. it doesn't require everybody to lock their guns Not everybody. Up. No, only if there's Just minors Just when there's in the minors yeah. in the home. Okay. Yeah. So those sound so reasonable to me. And, and uh, we sent that message off to Bob. And in the meantime now, we're both reaching out to uh, Senator Bradley mm-hmm. 
to try to get a meeting with him. And you have been, tell us what else you've been doing. Because you've been doing more than that. Well, I know you have. it's very slow, slow progress. But I've been trying to work with other physicians I know to meet with their representatives. But, you know, scheduling for physicians can be very challenging. And mm-hmm. same with representatives. So I actually had one of the surgeons that came with us, Dr. Somberg, I'd had a meeting set up with him and his representative, mm-hmm. Representative Bradgen. Okay. Um, and yes. Then, and then one of them canceled at the last minute. And so I haven't been able to reschedule them. Um, but I'm just reaching out to surgeons I know and seeing if I can get them to talk to their representatives because I think these are common sense things that the majority of Americans, according to lots of polls, agree with. And hopefully we can remind our representatives that. So to answer Bob Donovan's question, I did reach out to the minority assembly, uh, minority leader, um, I believe she's also a sponsor on the bill. There were several co-sponsors, maybe. Yeah. Um, and she said it didn't come out of committee because the Republicans, Bob's party, didn't want to bring it to the floor. So um, I was able to you know, get that message back to Bob about that. And, and so he's, he's new, and he's you know, working on lots of bills that he's been introducing mm-hmm. Not lots that he's injured, but, you know, signing on to or co-sponsoring or whatever. And then he held a listening session yesterday here in Hales Corners, which I found out about. So I was able to go. It was just three of us there. So it was almost, it was just a little private little meeting with uh, Representative Donovan. And he was asking us, what is it that you would like to see in the budget? And so we could talk about about those things. And we talked about education being a top priority. Um, the actual, but I was able to just directly go right up to him earlier and say, the gun legislation, we'd really like to see that get through this time. So, you know, reaching out to him again, face to face like that, he said, well, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> you know, nothing's happening yet, but I think it's that kind of public pressure and now he's got two two more listening sessions coming up that that you intend to. Yep. Yeah. Um, maybe I will. No, I can't that day. There's a big rally in Milwaukee, but you intend to do. So we're just keeping the conversation going. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was going to tell you this now. At so at the listening session, um, Bob was telling us that there's a group of people in Greenfield that want to see a sound barrier put up along the highway. And um, I, and they held a meeting, and a hundred people showed up at that meeting. So this is something that Bob Donovan is putting time into, is getting a sound barrier put up along 894 so that these people's backyards aren't so noisy. It's been that way for 20 years. Uh-huh. So um, so we talked about that, and then we talked about, I told him I had reached out to him, our library is not wheelchair accessible here in Hales Corners, and People do it all the time. There's seven million extra dollars out there that are supposedly they not million billion is it million billion a lot of money that they can now figure out what to do with a surplus, which just doesn't happen very often. So I'm like, Bob, what about getting us a couple million? Just whatever you could get us for the library, and we'll fundraise the rest because it's an old building. It needs an elevator, and mm-hmm. the village of Hales Corners is dragging their feet on it. They're not doing anything yeah. about it. So we're at the meeting and we're talking about all these different issues. And I finally said to Bob, I said, well, Bob, how is it that you prioritize 
what you're going to work on. What are you, you know, how do you decide that? And he said, well, if you have a meeting and a hundred people show up, that means Mm. something. So for our listeners out there, organizing and bringing your people to the issue makes a difference. And that's what Catherine's doing. She's organizing the trauma surgeons, right? Trying. (laughs) And it, it, it doesn't really have to be a lot of people, but it has to be vocal people. Vocal people and people that have gotten over their fatalist attitude and believe that we can actually get this changed. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. And and uh, I'm so grateful for the work you're doing. So what's coming up this week now? So uh, this week, my friend Sophie, who's an uh, internist in Madison, and I and a few other physicians are going to meet with representatives Andreka and Stubbs in Madison, and the two of them were co-sponsors of these three bills uh, last session. It's interesting, you know, there's about 11 bills introduced last session, and they all have a different variety of Democratic co-sponsors, and so even just between the three bills, not every, not everybody that sponsored one of them sponsored all three, um, and so we're just planning to meet with them and make sure that they've talked to, Dr., to Representative Donovan and that um, if there are any likely targets, they think, across the aisle that we could try to organize physicians in that district um, to reach out to and to see how we can kind of get these things out of committee. And We have to get them on the agenda again in, and get them in a hearing in the committees yeah. so they can get voted on for legislation. And Bob Donovan has to have a conversation with his chair, with the assembly leader, which would be Robin Voss. So these conversations, these relationships have to be built in order to get this kind of legislation that most people think cannot be passed, passed. So we're going to continue to work together on this, right? And get this, and get this done. So I have invited myself to the meeting (laughs) with Representative Andraka. It just so turns out I have some extra time this week uh, and I will be able to go with Catherine to Madison and um, and be a part of that conversation, and then we will follow up with emails. It's that it's that squeaky wheel that gets the grease. That's how we get this done. But I will say it's not about quote remembering what it's really about helps. Not quote gun control or gun reforms. It is about saving lives. And Catherine, you know, you see it. You see the impact of gun violence in Milwaukee. So if these and we see children dying all too often in Milwaukee, and you have the yeah. data that shows that if we can get these bills passed, where did you, where, where is this working? Where are you seeing this, these, this type of legislation working? Well, I didn't bring my notes, um, but That's one okay. of the papers I brought for Representative Donovan, you know, they grade every state based on their child access protection laws, one okay. of which is a safe storage law like this. And so the states that have those, of which I, I probably I can't name. You don't have to have the data, but um, those states have fewer child deaths. They do. And yeah. you can prove that through this research. Yeah. So it isn't like we're making this stuff up, folks. We aren't. We're looking at the research. We're looking at the data. And we're figuring out how we can make our voices known so that we can get something done for the people in this district. So and the whole state. I mean, the gun violence is is the worst in Milwaukee, but... I was just at a Moms Demand Action meeting yesterday, and Milwaukee has the highest per capita gun violence, um, but the next three counties in Wisconsin um, are all very rural, and a lot of those, you know, guns are the leading killer of kids, higher than motor vehicle crashes today. 
Um, And, you know, some of that is teen suicide with gun access. Mm -hmm. Some of that is accidental shootings. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's every county in Wisconsin is affected. Wow. Not just Milwaukee. So who is this other group you're meeting with? Moms Demand Action is another advocacy group working on gun safety legislation. Um, And so they're really focused on electing candidates that will support... um, common sense gun legislation and so right now they're very very mobilized to help um justice janet we practiced last night on our meeting saying her last name and now to say which that's okay um to help uh, her get elected justice pro say which get elected um because that would make a big difference when bills go in front of the the supreme court and so moms in action you know i was looking for something just a little different than what that organization is focused on, but I've definitely still found it valuable to be a part of it. But, you know, very much about canvassing for Mandela Barnes and and all of the, the candidates. They, they're a part of Every Town, which is a different okay. um, advocacy organization, and they rate candidates. Did you do this when you were running? Because next time you should. You can, yeah. you can get a rating as a common sense gun law oh. candidate or something like okay. that. And then they will help They'll support help. you. I'll and do that. And put you I'm, on their list. I'm, I'm in. So there's a special election kind of on the north side of Milwaukee, yeah. Whitefish Bay area maybe. Yes, yeah. There's um, a state a Senate race open right a now. A Senate race there. And so mm-hmm. that one of the candidates is a is an every town common sense. That would be Jody Sinek, I think is her name. That sounds right. So we are all working to try to get her elected as exactly. well. Yeah. So backing up well not backing up, but just the, the reality of the situation in Wisconsin is that the district, this is what's affecting gun violence and this fatalist attitude as well. The district lines have been drawn in such a way that the assembly holds two thirds, almost to a supermajority. Super They're yeah. only now two seats away in the assembly from having a supermajority, which gives them the power in the assembly to do just about anything they want. And then in the Senate, this single seat that's open right now will tip the balance toward either the Republicans get a supermajority if they win this seat or they don't. So it's a very important seat. And why are these seats important? We have a Democratic governor who is able to veto some of this crazy legislation that has come down the pipe. Um, and right now, if the Republicans get this supermajority, then they can do just about anything that takes away the governor's power. Now, how does the governor get elected in this state? He gets over 50% of the vote because this is a purple state. And there's just as many Democrats as Republicans. It's very close. But because of the way the lines are gerrymandered, uh, it's we don't have fair maps. And the Republicans control everything. So one of the ways to, again, take our fatalist attitudes and change that is to get the Supreme Court race, flip that, because right now we have four uh, republic, four, not republic, it's not partisan, but there are conservative views and there are democratic views, right? And so there's these four conservatives on the court right now, mm-hmm. and they have, they have approved these maps based on this, this idea that they were the least changed from the maps before, which were very gerrymandered to begin with. So they made this decision on a 4-3 vote last spring, right before the the elections were yeah. heating up. Redo, you know, so the lines settled into not what the Democratic governor 
proposed, but what the Supreme Court said was the least changed. That makes no sense to democracy. We need fair maps in this state. And so that's that that's rolled into a lot of our efforts right now to get people elected so that we can get these kinds of common sense, every kind of legislation, right. you know, passed and, and have more of a balance, have people's votes count in Wisconsin. Because right now, in the majority of districts, they don't. So, right? Yeah. It's gerrymandered so poorly that... It is discouraging people from voting. Right. And I think it's part of the reason that I didn't think local elections were important because my perception was, oh, the majority of your district wins every time, so it doesn't it doesn't matter how you feel. So how did and it feel to vote for someone in a district where it could have been flipped? It 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 was it felt very empowering. You know, it really felt mm-hmm. like my vote mattered and you know, getting my neighbors and friends to the polls, like all that felt like it, it mattered. We really need everybody to get on board now and start contacting. Their, do the, whatever little yeah. thing you can do to create some action toward the issues you all care about. Not everyone can do what we're doing, like meeting with legislators and going down to Madison. No, but everybody can. Not, well, everybody could. That's true. Yeah. I, I'm, gonna, everybody I'm can. glad you challenged me on that <laughs> fatalist attitude I have. Yeah. And the representatives <laughs> come back to their districts. So even if you that's can't travel, right. you, you can, can meet contact with them, them in your own district. You know, they do Zoom meetings. You that's know, a really good everyone point. Everyone can meet with their representative. And um, everybody can say universal background checks are important to them. And I'll tell you why that's important. Meet, get to know your representative. That's right. No matter where you live. Because then when you contact them about these legislators... You're on a first-name basis, and they know who you are. Because <laughs> people used to ask me that when I was, you know, I'm with the League of Women Voters. They'd say, what's the best way to create, you know, contact my legislator? Should I email them? Should I, you know, make a phone call? What is the best way? And I would, I would always say this, have coffee with them. That's the best way. Because then, once they know who you are and they know you're paying attention doesn't matter. You can call them. You can send them an email. They're going to, oh, that's Luann. Now, that could be good or bad, depending on. But <laughs> it is very important that we get in there. And this this election coming up is so important. And there's statistics show that it's low turnout in spring elections. But if, you know, I don't know, this yeah. podcast might get out after the election. <laughs> but there's lots of elections coming up. So just, just make sure that you're involved. Make sure that you know. Uh, yeah, what's have, coming up? I have to go absentee vote today because I'm on call the day of the election, and you can't oh, guarantee yeah. that you'll make it. <laughs> so that's another another issue is making sure that people can vote and that it's easy to vote and that we don't uh, discourage voting. So there's lots of issues. So I just want to say thank you, Catherine. We will keep you posted, right, of our progress. Yes. Yeah. And we hope to uh, get this legislation passed. And email Luann, and she can get you in touch with me if you're interested in <gasps> more information great. about meeting with your legislator. Leaders. That'd be great. And then we can, um, you know what, I'll get those bills up on somewhere on my website, on my social medias and website at some point. We do need to make this a thing, a more formal thing. So thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for the work you're doing every day to try to save lives. It's really... It's really powerful. And thank you for caring. And thank you all for listening. We will uh, stay tuned. We'll see you for our next podcast. Thank you for having me, Luann. You're welcome.